So here's a question for you. Would you benefit from ongoing support to improve your personal and professional leadership skills and ultimately achieve greater effectiveness and satisfaction in your work and your life? The Turning Points Leaders Community offers you daily support for your pressing leadership questions, ongoing bite-sized leadership development content to hone your leadership skills, and monthly live coaching calls where you receive individualized coaching from me specific to your situation so that you are able to work through breakdowns and get back on track to doing your best work and living your best life. This is the most robust online leadership coaching program around for an incredible value of only $147 a month. And as a podcast listener, you can join now and receive your first month free. You get access to absolutely everything, including the live coaching calls with me. Come check it out and see if this is the place for you to help you take your leadership competencies to the next level. You can join by going to drkristenalbert.com. That's D-R-K-R-I-S-T-E-N-A-L-B-E-R-T.com. drkristenalbert.com forward slash free trial dot html again that's dr kristen albert kristen is with an e dot com forward slash free trial dot html join today and i'll look forward to seeing you there thanks and let's get started with the podcast what would it look like to claim your space as a leader and make a positive impact in your organization or community Get ready to lead courageously and authentically from the core of who you are. Your leadership coach, Dr. Kristen Albert, will help you recognize how you are uniquely gifted to lead in your spheres of influence and help you become equipped and confident to handle the challenges of leadership. Take your leadership to the next level and create your turning points in leadership. Let's get started. Here's Chris. Hello and welcome to Turning Points in Leadership. I'm Dr. Kristen Albert, and I'm just so happy that you joined us today. In my Turning Points in Leadership podcast, I'm interviewing individuals who are changing the image of a leader, having to be someone at the top of the corporate ladder or holding a title of privilege to be able to make a difference. Instead, my guests are leading change in bold and inspiring ways, and I want you, my audience, to be inspired by them and to consider how you can become a catalyst for change in your spheres of influence. And so today I want to welcome my guest, Brian Graves. Let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Brian is the co-founder and a lead organizer of the Lancaster Changemakers Collective. They're a volunteer-based organization in the city of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And they're focused on engaging and equipping the everyday citizen with the information and assurance to build community and create sustainable, equitable change in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania neighborhoods. Brian is also a writer and a teacher of children with a passion for fostering creativity and high self-esteem in the youth of today. Brian is a Lancaster, Pennsylvania native, and he was born and raised in the heart of the city. They rose to prominence as a local activist in 2020 after calling attention to issues of racial injustice in the restaurant industry and co-founding the community organization Lancaster Changemakers Collective. 
Additionally, they have taken on roles in the child care program and Center for Racial and Gender Equity at the YWCA in Lancaster. Brian now resides in Philadelphia, but still maintains a close relationship with their hometown. So thanks again, Brian, for being my guest on today's podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Albert. I'm very excited and honored to have been invited to the podcast, honestly. You bet. And please call me Chris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> call me Chris. Yes. Thank you very much. Brian, would you like to tell the folks how you and I first met? Yeah. Chris and I first met in the summer of 2020. It was right after I had an experience at a restaurant that I was working at that was far from just in terms of uh, racial inequity and My friend Janelle and I, we decided to go on social media and describe the experience that we had had at this restaurant and just to kind of dig further into the injustices and inequities that were happening within the restaurant industry just in general and the things that we had seen in Lancaster and specifically at the restaurant that we had been working at at the time. And Chris was very eager to help us in our leadership journey and to help us kind of find what structured change and structured um, assistance we could provide to the restaurant industry and its employees to make sure that everyone was doing well and that everyone felt safe in their work environments and that everyone felt taken care for in their work environments. And I mean, over the past three years in that way, uh, Chris has been an, an amazing help to us. I think that I've learned so many leadership skills and so many just life skills, honestly, from working with Chris. So I want to also thank you for that. And yeah, thank you for, again, allowing this kind of full circle moment for us to kind of have this back and forth with each other. Thank you, Brian. You know, that's very humbling to hear when you and Janelle posted your commentary on social media, I felt compelled to reach out and just support uh, you in any way I could at that time. I think you were both early 20s at that time, maybe even not yeah, even 20. We were, we were both 22. I, I think I dig back to my, um, my roots in education that I, I have such a, a fondness for young people and young leaders and believe so deeply in the importance of supporting you so that you can share your voice and be heard. I think there's so many times where young folks can be disregarded because of their youth and seen as, well, they're just kids, you know, and I just, having worked with Young people in the majority of my career, I know that the opposite is real. The opposite is the truth, that young people have such a deep and thoughtful way of approaching situations that those of us of a certain age don't uh, don't take the time to think in fresh ways. We we think through the lens of of what we've learned and what we think we know. And so it's very important to me to support young people as they stand up for what they believe in and do the good work that you're doing. So it was a big deal to me that you and Janelle would welcome me in to your circle to be a support to you. So thank you for that. Of course. 
it was also a big deal to us that you offered the amount of help and and the the kind of help that you were providing to us at that time. Um, it was a yeah very big deal for us because so much of the attention that we had gotten at that time in the Lancaster community it was you know very polarized. We we received a lot of praise and support, and then on the other hand, we received a lot of you know negativity and disagreement. Which everyone has their own opinion, and everybody has their own way of going about things. But we were particularly young at the time, and and still still kind of impressionable. I mean, we were in the beginning few months of the pandemic at the time. There was so much emotionally and socially going on that was very anxiety inducing your support was very calming and it was very stabilizing for us at the time i think and i also want to touch on what you were saying about supporting you know young people and making those voices heard i think that that is a similar value i carry within myself with the work that i do with with the youth and with children because i i know what that is like and that experience with that commentary on social media about the restaurant, that experience was one of those where I felt because I was a young person, I was not being taken seriously or I was being perceived as like overdramatic or I was being a crybaby or I was too sensitive and things like that. And because of my age and because of my perceived experience in the workforce and in the industry. But no, I I was not being, you know, highly sensitive. I was not being overdramatic. I was not being a crybaby. I was expressing, me and Janelle were both expressing an experience that truly did happen to us and truly was hurtful and damaging and and stressful for us. We wanted to talk about it. That's what we did. Thank you for sharing that context. You have been, since the time I've known you and before that, such an exemplary leader at such a young age. And I'm really curious to know how how you came into leadership and some of the influences that brought you to leadership. So one of the first questions I always ask folks that I'm interviewing, I'd like to see if you would be willing to share what is one of your earliest memories of leading or leadership? And this could be a memory you had of yourself as a leader, or it might be an early observation you had of other leaders in your life. Is there something you can share a memory? I think I've always been inclined to take on leadership roles where I see my skills and approaches are qualified to lead. When I was a kid, I was very energetic. I was always running around um, telling all of the adults, you know, what new fact I learned or what today's news was. Um, I read the newspaper a lot for some reason when I was a kid. And I'm also the oldest of three. And I think that my leadership really has its roots there. You know, like as a child, leadership can sometimes, uh, when it's unfiltered, it can be, you know, bossy. And I definitely was, especially with my with my siblings. I was always choosing what games we played or what mischief we were getting into. But it wasn't really until I was in high school that I truly realized that I had a voice that could be listened to and understood and that I had important things to say and ideas to share. I was still very much a busy bee and my extracurriculars, including like student government, media and theater, like were huge parts of my life. Um, Things that I like I was heavily involved and I wanted nothing more than to be at school and to be around my peers and discuss things and be a part of things and all of that. I think at that time, specifically in high school, 
I was deeply inspired by the conversations that my friends and my peers and I were having and, and the things that we would talk about. We would talk about different social issues that we saw happening in our school a lot when it came to racism, covert, overt racism, um, sexism and, and misogyny amongst the, the different genders at our school, um, transphobia and queerphobia included. We were talking about these things and, and talking about how they affect us and the different people that we were around. My high school was very diverse at the time. So there were so many different identities and so many different people. So it was very kind of clear to see, you know, if you if you looked for more than two seconds, you could see the different marginalizations and and oppressive systems that were affecting all of us, even in high school. And then eventually, like we kind of began to like bring more and more students into these conversations, into these discussions. And um, we would work together to brainstorm ways that we could improve the quality of our experience by creating safe spaces and minimizing the oppression within our walls. My first organization, if you will, was something called uh, Rise Up McCaskey. Um, I went to McCaskey, graduated in 2016. And it was, I believe, during my senior year that my friends and I put together this organization called Rise Up McCaskey which is essentially just what I was just describing of, of having conversations and brainstorming ways to improve the quality of our social lives and of our, you know, social safety at our school. That was definitely the first time that I really saw myself as a leader and as someone who could help uplift others and inspire change in a community that I'm in. It absolutely was, I guess you could say, it was a catalyst for the work that I do today. As I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking what a brave young person you were and still are. Not only brave, but also sensitive. And when I say sensitive, I mean in a way of noticing and awareness that you were you were noticing the things that were going on uh, with regard to race, with regard to uh, gender, misogyny, and so on, that you were aware of that and that you were brave enough to want to bring together conversations around that. So I'm curious to know how you came even to that. Did your family or cultural influences or community shape that part of you or how you view leadership? Where did that come from? Or was that just naturally in you? <laughs> It might it might just be natural within me, which I I smile why while I say that because I feel like calling oneself a leader and then also saying that being a leader is a natural skill is so it's funny to to hear someone say it. So I'm laughing at myself as I say something like that. But like I said before, I I was the oldest child in my house, and with that came a lot of pressure to be an example for my brother and my sister. I essentially had to be the one to blaze a trail for them to follow. And I knew that, you know, things like going to college was going to be very important to my parents and to my family, and that I would be the first in our immediate family to get a degree. So, and I'm still working on that. <laughs> um, still, still blazing that trail for all of us. So I, I think that my leadership kind of comes from those roles as well. But I also, I agree and I appreciate you bringing up. I think that I am a sensitive person. I think that I am as aware as like one should be about 
their environment and about themselves and how they fit into things and how people are affected around them, how they affect others, things like that. I'm very tuned into those kinds of dynamics. And I'm not necessarily sure where that comes from, but definitely my taking charge and taking lead in things comes from being the oldest sibling, being the oldest child. I also pull a lot of inspiration from my grandmothers, both my my mom's mother and my dad's mother. My dad's mom is the kind of woman who extends grace and acceptance to everyone that she lays her eyes on, everyone that she talks to, everyone that she interacts with. She's always smiling. And and she has the kind of laugh that like will make you laugh. It's like very infectious. She's a very infectious person um, when it comes to putting people at ease and making people feel comforted and welcome. When she lived in Lancaster, she was a well-known member of her church and was always bringing people in and offering her faith to others, whether that was, you know, by recommending that they come to church with her or just providing some sort of solace, some sort of aid um, to them outside of church. But her faith is what drove her, is what drives her to this day. She is always an act of service whenever she's needed, um, with whatever she can provide. And I am heavily inspired by that. And that and that even goes as far, like even if it's just like words of affirmation and encouragement, like that is what she provides. She provides that to me every time I talk to her. She brings me to tears almost at times with with how encouraging and inspiring and just how unconditionally loving she is. So I'm definitely inspired by her in that way. And my my late grandmother on my mom's side was what many would call a force to be reckoned with. She was a recovering addict in the later years of her life. She spent the last 20 years of her life devoted to spreading awareness of the opioid and AIDS epidemics, specifically in Lancaster and in Southeast Pennsylvania. And she was well known in Lancaster for her addiction counseling services and for her role in actually establishing the first needle exchange program in the county. She played a large part in saving many lives. And I can only dream of reaching like a tenth of the impact that she has had in my own life. So my my grandmother's legacies give me a blueprint for what it means to serve a community and lead others in healing ourselves and our connections with one another through mutual aid through acceptance and through an ethic of love. I am really, my eyes are stinging. (laughs) I'm like feeling these tears in the corners of my eyes, (laughs) this powerful influence of these two beautiful women in your life, how they served, have served and continue to serve as examples for you. I'm sure they are both very, very proud of the person you are and and how you bring how you show up in these in these spaces just thank you for sharing each of their legacies thinking about it and thinking about choosing my grandmothers as as kind of my major inspirations also brings in the conversation of maternal care and maternal love and nurturing in that way and and i guess uh femininity in that way as well. And I I think that I've always been geared towards caring for people in what, you know, society may view as like a feminine way or a softer, quote unquote, kind of way. And 
the care that I've received throughout my life and the care that has really stuck with me throughout my life has been soft and nurturing and warm and and in a lot of ways unconditional and in a lot of ways providing safety, I think emotionally and mentally, physically has really inspired the work that that I do in that way as well. It's like, I want people to feel safe and warm and cared for when it comes to the work that I do. So I just wanted to add that on there as well. I'm glad you did. And you use the word love. I'm reading a book right now by Bishop Michael Curry. He's the Bishop of the Episcopal Church in America. And he was the, the clergy that spoke at Harry and Meghan's wedding. His book is called Love is the Way. And, you know, as you mentioned, this love and this nurturing love, I do believe that love is going to be what saves our world. It has to be. I I truly don't think, I agree. I don't think that there's any other way other than getting us all on the same page and, and getting us all to express whatever love we may have for anything. I think that a lot of times we get muddled down with things that, you know, we don't enjoy and things that we regret and things that we resent and things that sadden us or anger us or bother us that we don't really get enough time. And and this is just kind of how our society is built up, but like we just don't really get a lot of time to focus on the things that make us happy and the things that bring us joy, the things that make us feel safe and comfortable and and cared for and loved and the things that we provide those same feelings to. And I think that once we get to a point where we can sit back and actually reflect on all of that, um, we'll realize, you know, that love is what makes us feel good. <laughs> and and love is what keeps us going. And love is a lot of the reason why we are doing any of this at all. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Love is what per- perpetuates goodness in the world. Yes. Without love, goodness cannot exist. And I want to go back that word sensitive. Um, some people would see that word sensitive in a in a negative way. And I don't mean it in a in a pejorative way in any way, shape, or form. I think sensitivity again is that that awareness, right? That that willingness to remove oneself from the center of the narrative to expand um, and being a recipient or a, a noticer of what's around you. Yeah, it's not the wah, wah, you know, it's all about me sensitive that you talked about when you were talking, you know, yeah. earlier, a sensitivity to humanness. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to circle back to that word sensitive, because I I don't want anyone to think that in any way, shape or form that sensitive, that I'm meaning that in a in a negative way. I think it's a, a beautiful sensitivity. I completely agree. So as I mentioned in my introduction, you rose to prominence as a local activist in the city of Lancaster in 2020 after calling attention to issues of racial injustice in that in the restaurant industry. And so at that time, you co-founded the community organization Lancaster Changemakers Collective around that same time. What was your motivation and vision for founding the Lancaster Changemakers Collective? And what does it look like now? And how how might our our podcast listeners become maybe an active member in the collective? The Lancaster Changemakers Collective, like you said, founded in 2020, the summer of 2020, was heavily motivated and moved by the the reactions and the events of 
the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the, you know, global reaction to that. But specifically in our community of Lancaster, there was so much going on, so much reaction from, you know, our local government, from citizens, from business owners, from community leaders all around. You know, it was it was hard to ignore what was happening and how people were feeling. And the Lancaster Changemakers Collective, we saw a space within the protesting sphere. We saw a space there that needed more room for sit-down discussions. We recognized and acknowledged and were very grateful for the people that were on foot in the streets, interacting with the police, interacting with, you know, the different crowds and, and leading people in that way. But we saw that we we needed spaces where one people felt physically safe. Um, there were people that did not want to go to protest. There were people that, you know, have different have different abilities and were not able to go to protest. Um, so we wanted to kind of provide spaces for people to just sit down. We had meetings on Zoom. We had meetings um, in different community spaces that were just a lot calmer and could provide, you know, people the space to open up emotionally to brainstorm ways to discuss, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to accomplish these goals? How are we going to make change here? How do we get the government to listen to us? How do we get business owners to listen to us? How do we get more, as many people involved? You know, a lot of people don't want to come out of their houses. It's also a pandemic at the time. So how do we inspire as many people as we can to be a part of what's happening in our in our world right now, in our country, in our city? It kind of came out of that. And since then, we have held various community discussions around a variety of topics, police brutality being the initial one, but also we've talked about environmental sustainability, uh, reproductive rights, LGBTQ history. And on top of those, we also have held community events. You know, we've held film festivals, we've held clothing swaps, we um, have a recurring uh, Pride Poetry Night, which is um, a queer poetry night. And so like we we have these various events and things going on. And we have been a bit more gentle with ourselves lately because it is me and Sobeta, my co-founder and my best friend. It is us and two or three other people that help us from time to time. So it's a very small team. And a lot of times we can feel a lot of pressure to do as much as we possibly can and to, you know, on top of working full-time jobs, still have time to, you know, keep changemakers afloat. We are grateful to be one of the organizations, one of the collectives, one of the efforts from 2020 to, you know, still be standing in 2023. That's not an easy feat. And we are so thankful to the people that still support us and the people that you know, still still come to us for information, for guidance, for fun, even at the same time. But we do absolutely accept anyone who wants to help us and wants to be a part of the changes that we are affecting. I think the biggest goals with the Lancaster Changemakers Collective are simply just getting people involved in conversations and providing spaces where people feel comfortable expressing their values, their their concerns, their ideas, and coming to say, hey, I have this skill, or hey, I have this this idea, and I and I want to bring it, and I want to see how we can work on it, and I want to see like 
providing spaces for people to say, hey, I can be a part of something. I want to be a part of something. How can I join this team? How can I be a part of this conversation? That's definitely our biggest goal and our vision. And yeah, we encourage people to come to our events all the time. We encourage people to send us an email, lancasterchangemakers at gmail.com and and let us know how you would want to be a part of what we do and check out our website, lancasterchangemakers.org to hear a little bit more about what we do and the events that we offer, the programs that we offer. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing those and those links and uh, and the email address. I will put that in the show notes, make sure that that's in the show notes for folks who are listening. What I love is the distinction that you've made. You know, there are the people that the boots on the ground uh, protests and showing up for those sorts of things. Those fit with some people and some people, there are many ways to influence change. And what I love about your model is that creating spaces, safe spaces and spaces where people can be heard they can bring their their thoughts, they can bring their gifts, but there is space for conversations for possibility, conversations for relationship, conversations for imagining, inventing, but conversations at the root of it and having a safe space to have those conversations. When we don't have conversations well, all bets are off in terms of what changes we can make. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like there are often times, and there have been throughout my life where, you know, I don't feel comfortable or I don't feel safe or I don't feel equipped to join in in a conversation. Whatever level of knowledge I may have on a given topic, there are just certain times in which I'm like, I don't know if I can talk to these people. You know, I know things about this topic, but I don't know about these people. Or I enjoy these people. I'm fond of these people, but I don't know about the topic. So then I feel like I can't really include anything. Or I might feel insecure about asking questions, or I may have a certain skill or or an idea that I can bring to the table, but I'm just unsure of how I may fit in to this dynamic. So that has happened so much throughout my life that I think that it's important. And that is why conversations are at the center of what Changemakers provides is because Sobeta and I both kind of know what that is like to not have that space and to not have that avenue of expression and of community. So we we do our best to provide that to others and to to make that something in Lancaster that is available. I love the name too. I think the name is inspired. Lancaster Changemakers Collective. It really brings, I mean, it is the essence of what you've described. There there wasn't really um a choice. Like once once that came about it was like oh that's that's what it is that's what yeah. it's going to be so yeah i i agree yeah seems inspired to me so a question about something to invite people to think about as as you look around to people with whom you work live interact who you're surrounded by or even those who are listening here in this conversation what do would you want to invite them to think about or explore when it comes to this concept of leadership or even even beyond leadership life? What's an invitation that you would like to make to the listeners? One of the biggest things for me, at least, has been remaining humble and not getting too caught up in a know-it-all mindset. 
going back to when I was younger and how I said before, kind of like as a kid and like perhaps like as a teenager, it could be, you know, you get a little self-righteous, you get a little bossy, you get a little at 15 years old, I know everything about the world. (laughs) Um, And the world has done its job by humbling me so many times um, as I've gotten older. I've definitely become more comfortable with accepting and and understanding that I don't know it all and mm. that life to me above all else is a perpetual learning opportunity there are things that I will always be learning from others and in that way I understand that I am not a leader in every sphere and that I may be subjected to being a student or being a listener or being I don't know a better word but demoted in any given moment in terms of my knowledge, my expertise, and just, you know, my awareness. Ms. Faraz, who was in a previous episode. Yes. Yes. Uh, she yes. was in, she was in a previous episode that I had listened to. And I agree that humility is really important when it comes to leadership and making space for a balanced dialogue and, and meeting people where they are and, and letting them meet you where you are. You know, don't, don't make yourself so unattainable to others. Being down to earth is really important to me when it comes to leadership skills and leadership, just being a leader in general. Like, I don't want to be that person that's like all the way up on that hill on some sort of throne or in some sort of castle. And you only ever hear from me when I send out my like scroll and I send it with like the sky. I don't know. I'm, it's a fun analogy, but I don't, I want to be, if I could, I would love to be like, you know, knocking door to door introducing myself to people, talking to people in in cafes and in bookstores and stuff like that. Just like being down to earth and, and allowing people to understand, like, I am just like you. We are in a lot of the same situations and I just want to talk to you. <laughs> I yeah. just want to learn from you. And um, you never know who you could be learning something impactful from. Allowing your mind and heart to be open to new experiences and new perspectives and allowing them to surprise you and perhaps be a little jarring and shake things up can be very fruitful when it comes to expanding the teachings and guidance that you can then offer in your spheres of influence. So I think that that is something that I like to get people thinking about is just remaining remaining open to learning and remaining open to new perspectives and new experiences. I love that. That is such important wisdom. I think the world has um, more people than we need right now trying to tell us what we think we should think <laughs> because mm-hmm. they, they know remaining open, remaining open. And I love how you said life is a perpetual learning opportunity. If you're willing to remain open to that. Thank you for that. So every month in the Turning Points uh, Leaders community, we explore a theme related to leadership. The theme for this month of March is all about relating And I use an instrument called the Leadership Circle, and the Leadership Circle has actually identified relating as one of the most highest correlated areas for leadership effectiveness. In other words, the better you are at relating, the more effective your leadership is, right? And so relating, uh, they break it down into things like creating caring connections, fostering team play, collaboration, mentoring, and developing others, and the importance of interpersonal intelligence. So when it comes to this thought about relating, what resonates with you or what would you like to share with the audience that's important to you? It kind of goes back to what we were just talking about um, in terms of 
being open to hearing other people and listen to their experiences. Sometimes, like, especially now living in Philadelphia and being around a larger demographic of people, I sometimes look around, I'll be sitting in a park or I'll be on the subway or something. And I look around and I, and I think about how much I have in common with others. And I think when you take that time to just simply scan a room and just think, okay, just off of first impressions, what do I think I might have in common with this person? You realize you, you have something in common with almost everybody, at least one thing. Mm. You have something in common, even mm. if it's just simply, we are in the same room right now. Um, and, and that can bring you to a place where you're thinking, well, let, what brought us both to this room? Why are we both in this room right now? Why are we both on the subway at the same time? Why are we both walking through the park? What kind of like accessories, what clothes, what skin color does this person have? What is their, you know, uh, perceived gender? Like things like that. I I tend to think about and dissect when I'm looking around at others and and how I relate to them. I also, when thinking about change makers specifically, because I think that what you were saying about like fostering team play and collaboration, mentoring and developing, I think with change makers, something that we can attribute our kind of like longevity to is collaboration specifically. Throughout our throughout our history, we're coming up on three years, which wild to me. But throughout our history, we've worked with numerous different organizations, different community leaders around Lancaster. And that has widened our community. We've developed like deep connections with different uh, different community members, different organizations, different different people that are like affiliated with the government in Lancaster and things like that. I think that that really goes to show what relating to others and what sitting down and being open to experiencing new perspectives and hearing new perspectives, hearing different strategies that people have. Some of the organizations that we work with operate in a completely different way than we do, but our values are very much the same and our missions and our goals are very much the same, just a different way of going about it. So fostering that, that collaborative space and that and that like intertwining of of different methods and strategies has been really helpful you know we've learned we can look at somebody and say oh well like they're kind of better at that than like we are <laughs> or like they get their point across in this way and it seems to be a bit more effective than the way that we get our point across not that we have to redevelop or reevaluate what we're doing we could also just let them handle that. We can just let them take that torch because um, they're really good at it. And I think that we've also been handed that as well. In exchange, there are people that that look at what we do and they're like, okay, like that's their thing. We get asked to be a part of things. We get reached out to both as change makers and as individuals, me and Sabeta. We get asked to be a part of things because people people look at us after working with us or after seeing what we do. And they're like, oh, you guys do that really well. How can we collaborate? How can we bring you into something that we're doing? How can we as an organization or as like another team effort, how can we bring ourselves into what you're doing to help amplify it and to help strengthen it? So I think if I can summarize what I just said, looking around at, at the people and efforts that are happening around you and just saying like, what do we have in common? If you're thinking about it, like as looking at a person, okay, 
the core of that person perhaps is their skin color, their, their anatomy. And then how do they garb themselves? And when you're thinking about like other organizations, other efforts that are happening around you, okay, the anatomy of that is their, are their values, are their mission, are their goals. And then the, the garments that they wear are like their uh, strategies, their methods, their, their marketing, their branding, their, you know, their voice. What are the relating factors? What are the comparisons and contrasting between you and that other entity and figuring out ways in which you can, yeah, go back and forth and maybe pick up on what they're putting down and uh, vice versa and all of that. I think, yeah, Mm. that's kind of what I have to say in long-winded form about (laughs) relating. No, I love it. And, you know, I love how you started with that being open, being open to, to look at what you have in common right? So that the bringing you together and then looking at the strengths that each of you bring that complement the relationship. Um, Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you. So you spoke about values and what's what are getting to know each other's values. What is one value or guiding principle that that is infused in everything that you believe or how you approach life and leadership? We've honestly been talking about my my guiding principle for the past mm-hmm. few minutes. Yes. Um, I think it really is subjecting myself to a student's role. In any situation that it is applicable, I am a student. I am learning. I There's something that that I am absorbing from the experience. I'm being I'm being changed in some way. I'm being reformed in some way. I'm being effective and and affected and therefore becoming more well-rounded because I am learning something new and I'm open to learning something new. Like I said before, you'd be very surprised at how much you can learn when you open yourself up to learning. You never know where it's going to come from. And that's the fun part about it. So I think that is my, that is my biggest guiding principle in my work and just in my life. Yeah. But especially, you know, my my approach to leadership, I'm not always a leader. And in some ways, I'm a leader and a student at the same time. In yeah. almost every day, I, I would say that I'm a student. Not every day am I a leader. Um, I'm a leader a lot of the time. And there are days where perhaps I'm just a leader. But I I try my best to be a student every single day, to wake up and be excited about what newness there is to learn coming to me was leadership is a perpetual learning opportunity. Life is a perpetual learning opportunity. So what's your favorite leadership quote? Do you have one? There's a quote that has been resonating with me for a few months now. Last year, I read Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. It's a science fiction novel. She wrote it, I believe, in the 90s, but it takes place in like now in the 2020s, and it has a lot to do with climate change and political unrest and societal collapse. It's like very dystopian, but it was very interesting to read. And the quote that's coming to my mind right now isn't necessarily a leadership quote. The book is the book is is about leadership in a sense, but it's been making me think about the word change and and thinking about how the organization that I'm a part of is Lancaster Changemakers Collective. The quote that's been kind of driving me the past few months is, all that you change 
changes you. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. That quote means a lot to me because yeah, it just it just makes me think about again, like going back to to being open to change, to being open to being affected by things, to being open to to learning from things and understanding that you are also changing and affecting and teaching all the time. It's it's a constant cycle of of that happening, of being changed and of changing. That's that is the only lasting truth. In the book, there's a lot of like religious themes that come up specifically like Christianity. And the end of that quote, the full quote ends with her saying that God is change. And that is how she perceives God. That is, that is how her God exists. Um, Mm. And I'm not a particularly religious person by any means, but I, I really appreciate in this book, this like coming of age of this teenager who's trying to figure out what God means to her. And she's like, the only thing that I know to be consistent and stagnant throughout all of what's happening in this world is that things change. Mm. And she's like, that is the driving force to me. And therefore that must be what God is. And I thought that that was a really interesting thing. I've never thought of it that way. I've never thought of the idea of God that way. And yeah, not to, not to get into religious spiel, but yeah, I think just remembering that all that you touch, you change all that you change changes you in return. And that the only lasting truth is that things will change and that things are changing. Yeah. Every moment you show up in any moment, you are creating change. She also goes into explaining that we can shape change. We can gear change in a certain direction. We have the ability to do that in the same way that change is constantly affecting us and shaping who we are and what we do. We can gear it in a way that provides a better world for ourselves and for others. It's not exactly a leadership quote, but that is one that's been resonating with me a lot, just in terms of the change that we can bring upon ourselves and upon others and upon our communities and world. And in in that vein, it is a leadership quote, because it is, you know, I think as leaders, we must be very aware everything that we do has some impact in some way and everything that we don't do. impact in some way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to definitely check out the parable of the sower. Yes. It's a great, it's a great book. I like zoomed through it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will definitely check it out. I'll definitely check that out. So Brian, we are coming to the end of our time together. What is the best way for people to connect with you or to learn more about you and your work? I, I mentioned them before, but totally go check out Lancaster Changemakers Collective. We are on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Just Lancaster Changemakers, essentially, is how you would find that. And LancasterChangemakers.org is our website. LancasterChangemakers at gmail.com is our email. We're always like holding and organizing different events and different discussions. Uh, We are taking a bit of a step away from our programming to focus more on bringing community to change makers to you know widen our community to widen our team so if you mm. hear this and you would love to be a part please reach out let us know how you think you may fit in how if, even if you don't know if you'll fit in um just the interest itself is wonderful and and we will work something out we are eager to have more people join us so definitely contact us if you're inspired and interested me personally 
my I'm on Facebook at Brian Graves. I do not have my own website yet. I should get there at some point. I don't know. But my Instagram is Leave Brian. Um, that's L-E-A-V-E, Brian, B-R-I-A-N. And that is where I post more of my my personal work with my creative writing, my poetry, and different community panels and stuff that I that I work on as an individual, discussions that I facilitate as an individual aside from change makers and, and things of that nature. So those are the best ways to contact me. My email is also B-R-I-A-N. G-R-V-E-S at gmail.com. That's just Brian Graves without the A and Graves at gmail.com. Yeah, those are the best ways to contact me. Thank you again so much, Chris, for having me. It's been a pleasure. This has been such a beautiful experience. I'm so grateful to you for taking this time. And I I just consider it a blessing to know you and to to have been able to have this conversation and uh very mutual. <laughs> Thank you. And the next time that I'm in Philly, I'll give you a call and we'll grab lunch. Or, yes. Or grab a drink somewhere. It would be wonderful. Yes, I love that. Time. Yeah. You're just a beautiful person and beautiful human being. And so thank you for sharing you. your time, your wisdom, your passion, your courage with us and your thank leadership. Thank you so much. Yeah. And friends, thank you for tuning into this month's episode of Turning Points in Leadership. I trust that you also are walking away inspired, and I invite you to reflect on your leadership and how you can make a difference in your sphere of influence. So we'll see you next time on Turning Points in Leadership. And thank you again, Brian. Be well. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to take a moment to like, share, and comment on today's episode. If you're not already a member of the Turning Points Leadership community, you can accelerate your development as a leader by joining today. You'll find the link to the community in the show notes. If you'd like to be a guest on Chris's show, send an email to turningpointsguest at liveworksatisfied.com. See you next time for more Turning Points in Leadership.